This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by a man who I think is laughing at me as I do this intro. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Are you making fun of me? No, I was not making fun of you. I was uh, surprised by the volume of your this is. I don't know. Did that sound uh, louder to you this week, Mike? Is, is Aaron particularly fired up? Oh, he was fired up. I mean, did you notice me almost fall out of my seat when he peaked that? I'm gonna have to pop that down in editing. But yeah, well, you're, you're you peaked that. All the levels are peaked, and th this is a production term that I am very familiar with. Well, I feel like shit, and so I thought I really gotta hit this so that I can get my energy going. <laughs> well, well, do you feel it going now? The juices yeah, are I'm feeling good. I'm feeling I'm feeling great. Right on, bud. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see here that that magic phrase can just cure all of your ills. So. I'm glad about that, buddy. Uh, Nate, did you have any uh, banter you wanted to uh, impart uh, here? Do I have any banter? Um, you want to talk about idols? No, I don't think I have. Uh, you talk about the idols. bunny movie? No, I did. Uh, so our, our shows, yeah, our show's coming to, to you guys a little bit late because uh, myself and Mike did the Street Fight Instant Reaction show that you can check out on the Street Fight feed. Uh, we linked to it uh uh, copiously on our feed, so you can look <laughs> there. Um, and then we didn't do a show yesterday because I wanted to see the uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Senpai film, which was a limited engagement. Um, as I tweeted about this, um, if you're looking for, uh, you know, a tear-jerking movie about quantum theory and uh, terminal illness, check it out. Uh, probably you should watch, watch the series, though, first. Yeah, and who isn't looking for that? I I can't even imagine who would not be looking for that. So I I did not you know I was a very much a latecomer to anime, but it's very surprising like um, just to see like a bunch of young men basically go to see what you know in another universe is basically like a lifetime romance movie. But that's you know really what it is. It's kind of uh, kind of interesting. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm someone that my anime tastes usually go more slice of life, you know, wholesome stuff. I love the Yuru camp. So like I respect. You're going to go see like a tear jerker. I mean, you've already redefined masculinity once. I mean, we have to constantly push it and describe that. So I, I, I get it, Nate. Great point. This is um, part of my redefining of masculinity. Is uh, I know. I mean, really, at a, I guess, I don't have. I wrestling is sort of my masculine interest, but I think wrestling is sort of a, you know, a, a crypto fem. <laughs> is that fair? Wrestling is a lot of um you know uh uh it's steeped in masculinity to cover for all the fans of it that are really just uh you know want to watch their beloved hero win the title and retire and cry their eyes out that's the you know the dirty little secret of wrestling it's also like uh, i mean wrestling is really where i was like oh men can be attractive to me i probably wouldn't have realized that like without wrestling or i probably wouldn't have admitted it to myself without wrestling so I think it's got that going also. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of this guy, Sonata? <laughs> Boy, have I. It's a good looking man. Uh, it was uh, honestly, I mean, it was late in life. It was honestly Cesaro. I was like, damn, Cesaro's hot. It just like occurred mm. to me one day. And that was kind of, that's it. That's all. Those are my thoughts on hot guys wrestling. Uh, you've already heard the dulcet tones, but I've got to give him the, 
the real introduction. So, of course, we're joined <laughs> by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I I managed to pop Brian and Brett by accidentally doing that on their show. I didn't even mean to. And I, <laughs> it's just become kind of like true to form. I've almost like started answering the phone that way. So, but things are going really well. I want to give a quick little shout out. Congratulations to my brother and his fiance for getting engaged, Drew and Carrie. I'm super happy for them and I love them a bunch. So yeah, just, yeah. just bring some Congrats wholesome. Drew and Carrie. We're just gonna get wholesome before we get into the nitty gritty here. Yeah, so. Drew also has a very funny Twitter account at Drew Spurs. So uh, check him out there. Yeah, and Carrie's a lot smarter than all of us because she took off all of September for social media. So mm. she's back though at Jump Carrie. Down, uh, yeah, you can apparently hear the uh, the proposal on their podcast or not on Drew's podcast. This podcast is self care, so that's yeah. really Carrie probably did a better job on the self care September than our friend Aaron Taub did. <laughs> oh, God. oh geez, that's for sure. We haven't proposed anyone on this podcast or on our Twitter accounts, but you can follow us at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, that's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. And you know, if you're following the Everything AEW account during the TV shows, all three of us were banging out some live takes. So you can look forward to at least one of us every week uh, tweeting during the television show. Or Erica, if we can get her. Yes. So uh, tweet... Uh, at our account, I guess, but just, you know, say how much you want Erica to take over our Twitter account uh, for any TV episode so that we can uh, try to force her into it, basically. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Okay, yeah, we came late this week, but usually it's going to be on, uh, you know, we're going to record Thursday nights, so you'll get this when it comes out if you're subscribed on the podcast app of your choice by searching Everything Elite. Make sure you're rating and reviewing on the podcast app five stars only and if you'd like to you have the opportunity to sponsor this podcast by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite click sponsor this podcast or you can do a one-time sponsorship or a monthly recurring sponsorship everybody already mentioned this but make sure you check out nate and mike guest starring on street fight radio you can find that by searching street fight on the podcast app of your choice. Go to their Twitter at Street Fight WCRS or go to our Twitter where we linked to the SoundCloud numerous times to make sure that nobody missed it. Here's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about our impressions, as someone wrote in the run sheet, of AW Dynamite Episode 1. This is not going to be a review. We're not going to go match by match and talk about what we liked about each match. That's not what we're going to do on this show generally. So, we're going to talk more about what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, the big takeaways. We think that will be much more interesting than going match by match. We're going to talk about ratings, of course, big ratings news. We're going to talk about advertisements because that's the kind of people we are. And uh, we got some other news that came out heading into next week, and we will preview next week's TV show in Boston next Wednesday night. Let's start there. No, not start there. Let's start at the beginning. Here's what I want to start with. Nate, I'm going to start with you as is customary. What was your favorite part? One, pick one thing only, your favorite part of AEW Dynamite episode one. It was that it exists at all, that it was uh, major league cable television wrestling that isn't the WWE. That would be my favorite part. 
I can't decide if I hate or love uh, this answer. Well, honestly. I'm leaving my real answer. I'll leave for one of you. So. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to move on. Mike, <laughs> your favorite part of episode one. I was excited for after the show. I didn't feel any of the exhaustion or malaise I ever had watching late period WWE when I used to watch it. Like I, a couple months ago, I want to say, I was at home and I found, I, I I surfed the Pirate Seas and I found the uh, NXT TakeOver, the one, the one that had the crazy three out of falls match that felt like it took forever. And I I was just hanging at home watching it and I was exhausted by the end of like that huge show. Whereas at the end of the episode one of Dynamite, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing going forward. Each week, this is going to be a good thing. You know, it just felt like how a wrestling show should be pacing wise exhaustion levels and it actually like because it could have been something that the tv could have been a marathon but instead it was kind of like a pleasant like trial through a park and i like that a whole lot and that was my biggest worry going to tv was how tv was going to be on a week in week out basis because we've seen big shows now we get what they're gonna do for big shows but this was like a big proof of concept for us about how their weekly tv is going to be and i came away with that impressed all right. I think that that both of those track for me, like when it first started, and I think I tweeted that it really felt like a WCW show, and that ruled. I was like, wow, this looks like WCW. Everything is good. Uh, here's my thing, and I'm going to do, you guys were more macro. I'm going to do like something on the show that was my favorite part. And in part, I want to do a, a mea culpa. Uh, I, according to a friend of the show, Joe Lanza, you're not supposed to admit when you get something wrong. But I was skeptical of starting with Cody, Sammy Guevara as the first match. I said that on this show, but starting with Cody, that's that's my favorite thing from the show. Cody's entrance at the very beginning of the show, as we've said on this show, he's the biggest star in the promotion. He felt like a huge star. And that was the right way to introduce this brand to the world. And uh, more than that, the match worked, you know, not in the way that I, predicted in that you know Cody could kind of not have to uh, be in the lead the whole match and so it might not be boring in that way but they built it slowly in a way that let the crowd organically get into it and I think if you just turn this on and you weren't really following this promotion and you're like oh okay what's this you could get invested in it and it would feel like it would feel like you did it on your own that you got invested in it without you being forced to get invested in it. Like it wasn't like, here's all this huge action that you can't help but buy into. It was more like, oh, I'm getting into this and learning as it goes. And now I am myself invested in it and excited about going forward. I just thought it was perfect. I love the beginning of the show. Yeah. One point on that match, uh, Vinny on the observer said this is that was a 10 minute match paced for 10 minutes it's not like they went out there like Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle and just threw bombs and PWG finishers at each other. Like it was maybe almost a little too methodical. Like there was a lot of catching your breath kind of stuff, but um, you know, it felt like a pretty well-paced TV match. Um, and they did a lot of good things like that right off the top. Uh, like you said, they opened with their biggest star but before that segment had even ended, you hit them with their even bigger star, Chris Jericho, who's the champion, to you know tell those casual people like, hey, here's the big feud in this promotion. Here's our big stars. This is what you should be paying attention to. That stuff was all good. Um, 
And yeah, really my, my thesis of really the, the first episode is that this was WCW uh, in all of its good ways and kind of in all of its bad ways. Like most of the criticisms I have about it um, are things you could also say about WCW, like the good stuff. They started off at the beginning with Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross and Excalibur running down the card like it was a pro wrestling show or a sporting event, like a New Japan card. Um, you immediately get Cody out there. You get Cody and Tony Schiavone in the ring with all the TNT logos around them. Like good sort of like emotional moment for both of them and for the crowd, I think. Um, and But the bad stuff was like every every single segment was an angle. Like every interview turned into an attack. Every single thing had to have, you know, some action. Like that's fine for the first episode because you want to set up some angles and get people excited. But like you also have to put money in the bank and like not do the pro wrestling angle every time. Like you have to do a promo and an interview. That's a straight ahead promo and interview. And that's kind of been a recurring issue in the promotion. Like in the battle Royales, they kind of do the subverting the spot before they just do the spot normally, if that makes any sense. Um, and then like, we'll talk about obviously the big finish of the show, the big angle, but that was also like very WCW. You had a big hot main event with a nonsensical, lack of a disqualification the rules were not clear and then you had to turn into a big clusterfuck with the you know xwwe guy running in and that was also very wcw so even the bad i'm happy to have even bad wcw but you know the, those are sort of my my macro balance is the good wcw versus the bad wcw i was gonna say yeah that leads into my worst thing from episode one which was in the main event, so we have the Bucks and Kenny versus Chris Jericho and Ortiz and Santana. I was going to say the Lucha Bros. I've got the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks just permanently together in my brain. So as that match is going on, John Moxley comes out, attacks Kenny. They brawl off to uh, the back, basically. Not really the back because it was some weird like VIP section. But the thing I hated about this, and this isn't original. I mean, I've heard this take already, but... It was never explained to us why that wasn't a disqualification or why the match should continue. And I hated that because the whole idea of this promotion is that it isn't that. It isn't introducing dumb things to further stories, but that don't make logical sense. And so for that to happen in the very first show, like I appreciate that they're already building Cody versus Jericho and Moxley versus Omega from show one for the full gear show. So I love that. You know, we're already getting behind those. It's not going to be, let's push this at the very last uh, TV before this show. We're starting it now. Really happy about that. But it's frustrating that everything I want this promotion to be, everything that's been promised to be, is kind of undermined in the very first main event. Yeah, and that's something that they could have very easily figured out without having it be a big thing just have the attack happen before the bell rings you pull kenny out of it moxley does his his table spot and then you say the bucks just still want to have the match they're still committed to having this match because it's lax and lax attacked them at all out like there was a way to do this without undermining the refs when they've kind of if there's one thing like going throughout this promotion so far is They've played a little fast and loose with how the refs operate. Like they made a big deal about it at Double or Nothing about, okay, we're giving them more latitude for tag team moves. We're going 20 count at the floor. Then they made a big deal about that one 
match. I forget which one that had Aubrey Edwards like go to, but the bell, but the ring announcer, or sorry, the uh, timekeeper rang the bell, and then Aubrey Edwards shot them a look, and it was like immediately like putting up the referee's authority, and they played that up again at all out. And then you had this where Rick Knox was just kind of like, oh, well, now it's a two on three, and uh, Kenny got attacked, and that's cool. We're just going to go handicap match. So it, it's one of those things that I feel like they made it more difficult for themselves than it should have been. And especially for someone like Cody, who has, uh, has always talked about like the kind of wrestling he likes, it, it just seems like that that was the uh, bad decision. The thing that got me most about this, now that I'm thinking about this, is how many post-match attacks there were. There was one after the opener, which was good for the Jericho thing. So like that was fine. And then Nyla Rose tried to attack Riho and tried to power and powerbomb Michael Nakazawa and I get chased off by Kenny Omega. And then in, in the main event, we had the Moxley thing. And then we also had the big big schmaz at the end of the match. So you had you had four big like attacks or brawls going throughout the show, which is good to like give it like excitement that things are constantly happening happening. But after a while, you're just gonna be like, okay, this is gonna be another brawl. If this is gonna be another brawl, this is gonna be another brawl. But at the same time, I'm, I like when I say something like this, it's not that I dislike the show. I, I love the this is actually one of the more pleasant TV shows I've seen in a while wrestling wise. It's just as, hey, this is a trend I don't want to see going forward is having so many post-match beatdowns. Like that's something that I can do away with. All right. A few other things that I just want to make sure we kind of hit on. Uh, we don't have to go into these in depth, but other stuff that I thought was really good from this show, uh, the women's match. And I thought Nate made a great point on Twitter that, AEW had conditioned the audience before this show to put the women on the on the same pedestal as the men and the crowd bought into it and they were going crazy for this match. And it's just exciting that uh, AEW is going to be a promotion, it looks like, where the women's division is going to be not only important, but it's going to be uh, appreciated by the crowd. Yeah, I thought my initial answer, I thought you were going to say that was your favorite part of the show was the women's match. So I was leaving that for you. But yeah, I thought that was the best individual match on the show, largely carried by the crowd being super invested in it and, you know, uh, getting behind it and reacting huge to all of it. Um, so that was like the highlight of the in-ring action to me. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, pretty much, you know, a, a, as went as well as you could have hoped for. Um, although, I, again, one little nitpick, like, why did Nyla Rose pull a chair out in a title match? <laughs> like, you're going to get DQ'd in the first title match is that does that make any sense like they it, it just unnecessary to have that step because she did the other spot where she put all the chairs on the ground and it's like okay well you can kind of get away with that like that's fine but anyway um but that was awesome great moment um i even liked you know they had nakazawa come out to interview riho that makes all the sense in the world and they did a nice job of like still maintaining nyla you know at sort of a top level in the division um, by having her attack Nakazawa, which is again another post-match attack, but uh, you know it, it it sort of keeps her heat or keeps her involved without sacrificing Riho and making the win mean nothing, and also kind of like establishes Nakazawa's tier in the promotion. Like, oh no, he's not going to be a guy that's you know wrestling in big money matches or something. Like, this is going to be a guy that people beat up for fun. So um, yeah, that was the the. As far as the in-ring action, that was the highlight to me. Some other highlights uh, that they just kind of did their thing. Like this felt like what a normal show is going to feel like. They didn't uh, blow their load by having a bunch of big, huge matches on this first show to 
the idea of trying to pop a rating, you know, they didn't do any of that. They started with a match that uh, began very slowly, but built appropriately. Uh, they didn't bring out all, I mean, I guess all their biggest stars were on this show, but not everybody was on the show. They didn't just keep throwing people out uh, for that. You know, it stands in great contrast to the NXT show, which was clearly built to have big time matches they thought would draw people in. Uh, this just felt like we're going to do our thing and let it build naturally and uh, try to settle in. So I think that was a, a big positive for this show. And yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like, like I previously said, I love when uh, people don't wrestle each other and because you can kind of build it. <clears throat> I love that <laughs> there were a ton of people we didn't see on this show at all, like and, and people that they've established elsewhere. Like now you can kind of look forward to seeing them next week instead of, you know, Monday Night Raw. It's like, oh, here's the roster of the same X number of people that are on every single Raw. And, you know, you're going to see every single one of them every time. Like it just becomes old hat. And uh, lastly, as far as positive things, I really enjoyed that the heels stand tall at the end of the first show in classic wrestling form. It makes you want to come back to see them get their comeuppance, right? So it's a good way to start building this story. Yeah, and they did it in such a way that now we have an identifiable, okay, this is going to be the main group of heels. And they've already have announced stuff that's following up on that in Boston. So I feel like that that... This was a, a good use of it, and they already did like backstage stuff up on their social media. So I feel like that this was like a great way to end their first show. So I thought that just having like, okay, the elite already exists. We've already played off that. Here's this new thing that we're introducing now that we're on TV. I thought that was pretty smart. The heel group is fun. Like it's it's just really fun to have Chris Jericho in there mixing it up with new people. Like that's such a treat. Like Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. That's awesome. Swagger sucks. Like he stinks. He fucking, he's dumb as shit. Uh, he doesn't try. Uh, he, he's huge, which it works in their favor. Like, you know, cause he's like, he was like a mid-sized guy in WWE, but he looks like a monster here, which is like, Oh yeah, it's actually good to have a contrasting, uh, you know, a, a size of people in your promotion. Um, but I, I mean, it, it's fine. You're going to have shitty people in your promotion uh, I just hope they don't have him wrestling straight ahead wrestling matches like, you know, in basketball shorts, because that's going to turn people off. Uh, if he's just like Chris Jericho's diesel and just like looking menacing behind him uh, and being comical and a dumbass, that's kind of fun. Uh, but, you know, it would have been good to have like Killer Cross in that spot or something if they could have gotten him. Um, and yeah, a, a good like hot sort of segment to drive the momentum forward. I will say they didn't do a great job of driving eyeballs toward the next TV. Like they did a lot of job of, or they did a good job of putting money in the bank for their big feuds for the pay-per-view like Moxley and Omega, uh, Cody and Jericho, but they didn't run down the card for next week. They didn't um, say, Hey, you know, same channel, same time next week. We're going to be here now. Uh, they could have done a, a better job uh, hammering that home. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's true. I thought about that. I don't even know that, they may have, but I don't recall them saying we're going to be in Boston next week or anything like that. They they brought out Private Party, but you know they could have been more explicit about the fact that they're wrestling the Young Bucks on the next episode. Like that's a big match. So I agree. A few of the other uh, negative things that I wanted to point out: mid match commercials. So I'm not sure whether they're avoidable. As people have talked about this more, I've thought about it, and I'm not sure whether they're avoidable. If you want to do more than like five minute matches on TV. Uh, but 
it is really frustrating. It's probably more frustrating when they go to the picture in picture because my brain still doesn't want to watch it. Uh, but it's just kind of frustrating to be watching a match, especially the women's title match. And they go to a commercial in the middle of it. Yeah. A lot of, so again, this is like, sort of like, you know, we've watched too much non-television wrestling kind of, we've seen too many young bucks versus Lucha brothers matches. We've watched too many new Japan shows. It's been, it's like the better part of a decade since I've watched a full television show with advertising on it. Um, it's so hard. Like the, just the ads are so frequent and interrupt all the action you can. So the fight TV feed for the overseas people like doesn't have ads, which is like cool, but also it like kind of, uh, is a weird disconnect because you can kind of see what the people in the arena are seeing, like, which is where people stop doing, uh, you know, big spots or big action, uh, during those ad breaks. The picture-in-picture stuff is really ideal. I think it, it's kind of off-putting, but you know, at least you're seeing what the action is, and you're still seeing Nyla's big knee drop, even though they did it during an ad break. Like you shouldn't be doing that, maybe, but at least you're not missing it 100%. I guess. Yeah, that was the frustrating thing, but in some ways, I'm kind of happy that they're willing to do that. Is I think one of the reasons, other than the insane booking and just general malaise that is all over WWE why fans just are dead now is that they're so used to the fact that, okay, they'll have like a minute and a half of a match. If a match goes into a commercial, a lot of matches don't. And then there will be like this two and a half, three minute break where they grab a chin lock or they're doing a stalling thing or just something happens that they're not doing anything for TV. Whereas you could, it was very visible during the picture in picture here on dynamite where they were doing legit stuff during the, the commercial, like Nate said, Nyla's big knee drop. Most of the attack on Cody after the after his win over Sammy Guevara happened during the break, and it was just one of those things that that was kind of nice. But the same thing, it's the frustration of I really wanted to see how the crowd is going to respond to Nyla's knee. I want to see how the crowd responds to Jericho's huge beatdown that involved chairs and power bombs through chairs. So it's a frustrating like I, it, I mean, it's always going to be a push and pull with commercials, like how you're going to handle it. But at least it seems like that they're not going to completely go to the WWE model, which I think would completely kill their crowd dead. So that's like the one benefit about the whole picture in picture and commercials thing is I think that they're handling it the best way, but it's not necessarily the way I'd want them to handle it. One last uh, bad thing before we move on. It was basically just, they were bad at non-wrestling on this show. Like the things that didn't, ha didn't happen between the bell other than the, the Cody beat down like a lot of that was bad, uh, particularly doing the Kevin Smith thing. Like that was really bad. Nothing about like it started out and I was like, okay, I see where they're going and this is fine, but it just like went downhill. And uh, even the SCU thing, I, I didn't think was very good. It picked up a little bit when they brought out the Lucha brothers and like they were insanely over in the building and that was great. And so a crowd who wasn't, who didn't know a lot about them has to be excited to see them wrestle in the future. So that was good, but they're going to have to work a lot on these uh, non-wrestling segments. Yeah, what they needed was, and this goes hand in hand with my point about don't do a fucking angle every single time you're doing an interview. They needed one money promo standing on the ramp with somebody talking to Tony Schiavone. Like maybe do that with Moxley early in the show and then have him return for the attack later. 
They just need one where it's like, that was a fucking pro wrestling promo on this television show right now. I just saw a go out, a guy go out and have a conversation and sell me on a match like this was pro fucking wrestling. Like they just needed one of those. And then, you know, the rest of it, it goes down a lot smoother. Yeah, like MJF would have been good in that spot when they brought him out early in the show. That's like what he does, you know, and he got on the mic, but it would have been nice if they had done uh, exactly what you're talking about. I guess I have one more bad thing, and that is that I'm missing the Yankees game to do this podcast. First night of the playoffs, Yankees twins. Uh, The good thing is I could bet before the podcast started. Where would I do that, folks? I would do it at my bookie. Dot ag of course they got odds on all mlb playoff rounds if you're into baseball that's just starting and it's a good time to bet because they also have the live betting so as you're watching the game and the odds change based on how the the game is going uh you can bet the whole game so you can lose lots of money just kidding you'll win lots of money <laughs> you'll play you'll win you'll get paid right so uh Make sure that you are doing that at mybookie.ag. And remember that you can use the promo code ELITE to double your deposit up to $1,000. All you got to do is plug in the promo code E-L-I-T-E, ELITE. Mike. Yes, sir. We got to go through our locks of the week. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I know we had a down week last week, okay? But Cousin Weed Mouse had some extenuating circumstances, all right? So sure. we're, we're forgetting about last week's pick. Okay. Yeah. Still two two and one on the season. Yeah. Like, but we're getting back to cousin Weed Mouse's his uh what's the word I'm looking for? His it's the lock of the week, baby. Well, and, yeah, but we're getting back to you know fertile ground for cousin Weed Mouse, right, which right. is big underdogs in college football. He kills those. He loves Here's them. what we got for you this week at weed underscore mouse on Twitter, a great account and a great account name. Bowling Green plus 46 and a half. At Notre Dame. Yeah, now that's that's a lot of points. 46 and a half. It would have to really be a Bowling Green massacre for that many points to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad that I enjoyed Oh, it. <laughs> get off the stage. <laughs> uh, wild pick from our friend Cousin Weed Mouse. Uh, glad I like that it. it. Glad that it's, you know, a team right here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, I don't think that Bowling Green team is in Kentucky. No, it's in Ohio. That's where my dad went for undergrad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that, that's good. I like the pick. Let's see what happens. You, you know, uh, Notre Dame kind of played down last week to their opponent. And I believe in Maction. This is a, a big middle, mid-American conference team. So, yeah, if go along with Cousin Weed Mouse. He's only, he, he, he took a little hit last week, but he, he's been nothing but gold other than that. And, of course, we have the Everything Elite Lock of the Week. Thinking about abandoning this because Nate uh, blew up my spot. Yeah, I killed her joke in the second week. First week. Mm-hmm. Regardless, we're two <laughs> and one. We're just as good as Cousin Weed Mouse. Yeah, this is, we're going to see it throughout the campaign who finished out on top. <laughs> Here's what we got, folks, for you this week. And I thought a lot about this pick. I, really, I was breaking down all the numbers, the trends, the stats. I was going through... Everything I can find on mybookie.ag about previous lines to see where I should take the listeners this week. Folks, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're plus 155 uh, at the Carolina Panthers. Come on with us. Get on the train. The great thing about the uh, Everything Elite lock of the week is that if if it's wrong, you just blame Tony. Just like, Tony, let us down, man. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. 
Uh, and like I've said before, uh, Mike and I are betting. We're trying to talk Nate into it. So we're doing this on mybookie.ag. We wouldn't be telling you to do it if we weren't into it. Uh, so join us, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, I'm going to run down the week one TV results. Just, you know, in case you missed the show, I feel like we should at least bring the results to the people. And guys, if you want to jump in anywhere with a with a stray thought, feel free. Sure thing. So, also, there were several, several dark matches. Four. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about those. Uh, before the show, pre-show, Darby Allen defeated Shima with the coffin drop, a match that I would love to see and hope that it will end up on YouTube eventually. Yeah, I, this is probably the only like big note that I want to add in. Shima has been a huge fan of Darby Allen since the beginning. Like, this is someone that Shima really loves, and Shima is a guy who found a lot of the big talent that's working today. So I'm hoping this match really makes YouTube. I might need to call up friend of the show, Mukigana, Chris Mukigana-Harrington, and say, hey, can you just slide in my DMs and give me that match right in my veins? But yeah, no, this is something crazy. And then Shima was in Mexico last night, too. So, I mean, he's, he might be staying in the States. He might pop up on something on week two. Cody defeated Sammy Guevara with a small package. Were you all surprised that he didn't uh, use his finish against Sammy G here? I liked it. I liked that he used a flash pen. I will. This was the best uh, disaster kick ever because Sammy took a flip bump off it, so it actually looked halfway like it hurt. That's all. Uh, as we talk about, Jericho attacked Cody during his interview afterward. They did a thing where, like, Sammy went to shake hands with Cody and that was just to set up Jericho coming out. So that was good. And that actually paid off because Sammy's with Jericho. So, hell. That's right. That's right. MJF defeated Brandon Cutler with the Salt of the Earth armbar. Is that actually the name of this move? Yeah, that, that's what they were calling it. I was surprised to hear it. I didn't know that his finish had a name before last night. So, yeah. That's a funny name. Mm -hmm. I thought this was this, good. Uh, it was like inoffensive and it ended quickly enough. Uh, I've seen some disagreement about whether Cutler fell off the top rope or it was supposed to be part of the match. Uh, I kind of thought it was intentional, but maybe I'm wrong. I think uh, I didn't read this or, uh, you know, go further, but I saw a headline that maybe Dave confirmed the ropes were loose or something on this show. So maybe that was ah. related. Uh, mostly guessing there. Um, but yeah, it's sort of a macro thought here. Uh, all the winners were good and made sense on this show. There were no results that made me go, why is he winning that match? So, and, and as it applies to this match, MJF just beat him. But, you know, good establishing hierarchies. Cutler's not going to be a top or a pushed guy, but he's, you know, going to going to put some people over. This is where we saw uh, Jack Evans and Angelico get into it with Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> uh, what a world. And uh, Private Party came out, so I'm guessing we'll see those two teams match up in the future. We got an SCU pre-tape where I think Christopher Daniels wrapped as, as part of it. That was a little uh, terrifying. Then they were interviewed in the arena, and that's when the Lucha Bros came out. They had a little face-off. They also announced during this that uh, Kazarian and Daniels will be the team in the tag team tournament. Scorpio Sky will sit out. Yeah, I think uh, Scorpio's in line for maybe a singles run. Yeah, he was featured in, like, the the big – I forget which video, but one of the big videos he was featured in. Maybe yeah, at the start the, uh, of the TNT, show. the TNT ad with the surfing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Pac defeated Hangman Page with the Brutalizer in a pretty good match. Yep, this was solid. I think that we kind of got into our thoughts on Hangman Page on Street Fight, and 
what I feel like Paige should be going forward. So if you need another teaser, check that out there. But as the uh, world's biggest pack fan, I thought he came across really well. Uh, pack, sorry. I mean, yeah, I thought he came across really well. And I mean, he's they're building something towards him. I'm interested in see because this kind of felt like a blow off match. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, TJ Hawk texted me before we went on the air and said that Pack is uh, the biggest star in, like, if you're going by the results, is the biggest star in the promotion and isn't being treated like a big star. His okay. point was he is the most obvious choice to challenge for the title and that the fans would not be excited about that matchup. What do you guys think about that? I don't disagree. Um, uh, you know, again, this is the right winner here. Pa I'm going to, I'll say whatever. Pac, Pac, Pac defeated Omega. You can't have him turn around and drop a, a loss to, to Hangman here. Um, Hangman lost to Jericho, so it's really fine to beat him again. Plus, we were kind of getting some, you know, ambient resistance to Hangman's push. So you don't want to have him beat Pac here and then, uh, you know, start to have people actually begrudge him. Um, but yeah, I, I, TJ makes a pretty good point there. I think uh, he's got a big win over Omega. He's got a big win over a guy who was just a world title challenger. Um, but, you know, they're not fucking blowing off the fireworks for him or, you know, acting like he's uh, Cody or Chris Jericho at this point. Again, I think this pack is a, you know, top line, a level talent. Um, this character kind of resists that presentation a little bit because he's being methodical. He's going out there and uh, slow healing on the fans and shit. Um, but they could definitely do something to get some juice behind him. Like, hey, this guy's, you know, a major wrestling star. Yeah, I, I, I totally see what Tej is saying there. And it's just, I know I've said this before, it's going to be difficult with him because he's still based in England. So, I mean, unless he's hopping on Tony's charter plane every week, I mean, how are you going to be able to really develop momentum for him? to make him feel like the kind of star that I feel like that TJ was saying there. So I totally get the points that y'all are making here. I think that those are salient arguments to be made. This is also the best hangman's offense has looked. It was like, Oh, okay. This is the guy that I thought we were getting coming into this promotion. So it makes me hopeful that he's going to uh, turn it around. Riho defeated Nyla Rose for the inaugural women's uh, championship with, I don't know. What's that? Mike, you wrote the results. I'm familiar with this move because Harashima does it in DDT. It's the double knees, running double knees to the chest. Uh, Momo Watanabe adapted it from him, and they call it the Samato. So, so I thought that that's what's called. I don't know if Rio has a actual move name for that. Actually, if you know what it is, please at me because I would like to know what this is. So at me at Fujiheya, two eyes like Don Fuji. But this is my match of the night. I love this match so much. And Riho now has two almost identical belts, and that rules. Yeah, this match was great. It was made better by the fact that I expected Nyla Rose to win, so it was a, a legitimate surprise for me, and I always enjoy that. So it was very nice. A lot of uh, a lot of double knee and double stomp offense from Riho. Going to need to uh, spice it up a little. No, I... I, that's actually one of the things I liked is that um, the double stomps, like she makes that a focus. So it kind of works in a psychology way. Like, oh, she's targeting her midsection because she's 80 pounds and all she can really do is throw all of her weight onto Nyla. I do like, do you think she works the double stomp at all? Or do you think so? she's just like, this isn't actually going to hurt her. So I'm just going to jump on her full force. Why would she? I loved yeah. the spot. I don't think I've ever seen it where she double stomped on Nyla's back 
and Nyla just like bucked up and threw her off of her. Great spot. Yeah, and great way. I talked about that on Street Fight, how it just illustrated the two differences between our characters here. Um, uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, but yeah, Riho, like I like that that double stomp. That's a great thing. I do want to say her forearms look pretty great. Like she really, the the velocity on those makes them look like they hurt, even though, again, she's like tiny. Um, the belt is also tiny. It's like when Nally gets that belt, it's going to look really small. And after that, of course, uh, Nakazawa came out, said he was going to, you know, interview Riho in Japanese, and but Nyla uh, attacked him instead, tried to attack Riho. Kenny comes out for the save. So this was a point that I wanted to talk about is imagine that you haven't followed this promotion. You're jumping into AEW for the first time. You're like, oh, I saw the ads during the MLB playoffs, or, you know, I saw some ads somewhere. I wanted to check this out. Don't have any clue who Kenny Omega is or, you know, other people. It's I'm just I'm fascinated by how they're introducing characters to people who don't know what's going on. And uh, I thought this was like I loved how Jericho was introduced. I loved how Cody was introduced. Kenny, I thought this was a strange way to bring him out for the first time when you anticipate he's going to be one of the biggest stars in the promotion. And this was right before his match, too. So Like, you could have easily done that. Like, he was already out in the ring, but they had to do the big elite entrance. So it, I, I totally get, like, the perception-wise. You turn on, you see Cody having the special entrance up through the chandelier, which has been his big thing. And he feels like a styrofoam of Kenny Omega. It's going to be interesting to see how week in, week out, Kenny kind of is portrayed and kind of comes off. Because it's something that I find this is not necessarily, I think, what a lot of people who knew of Kenny Omega expected out of Kenny Omega. But of course, if you're someone who follows the promotion and you follow Kenny or Riho, you know, the relationship worked out there, but I totally get what you're saying, Aaron, about if you're flipping around, like I got texts from my dad, right. At, like during the show and like this, I don't know if he watched or not, but like, I just can imagine my dad asking, he'd probably ask like, Oh, is Kenny dating that, that, that Riho? Like that's, I feel like what the uh, normal response would be if you're not really familiar with that and you're just coming in from a wrestling background, I guess. I do think, uh, so, you know, Mike's point last week that, you know, we don't want this division to be focused around Kenny Omega. Like, that's true. That's definitely a, a third rail to stay away from. But I still think throwing him out here and, and you know, establishing that he and Riho have a relationship, you know, that they don't, they're going to be tagging together in DDT and all this stuff. Uh, I think that's a fine move to tell your more casual fans, like, hey, this guy's a big star and he has a relationship with these other characters, that's a good way to sort of, uh, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a rub or have some investment there. And I do also think it's probably, it may have been something as simple as, hey, you know, uh, we're going into an ad break here. We want to keep people uh, interested and attached and, and watching into the next segment. Remind them that Kenny Omega is coming up. Hey, here's fucking Kenny Omega. So maybe that's the idea. I don't know. Didn't actually, you know, the the Riho and Nyla match did barely lost any viewers. Like it was steady, which I think, again, is a great testament to how they've uh, gotten people invested in this women's division to this point. Uh, but maybe that was the thinking. Yeah, those are good points. Uh, just we'll see. It's just going to be interesting how they introduce these people to to new fans, assuming there are new fans. Well, there have to be, right? Because not that many people bought Double or Nothing. And even if you think about how many people pirated the shows, there weren't 1.4 million people who watched those shows. So they got new viewers. Yeah, and when we get to ratings talk, that's a good point to bring up is all these new viewers that came in for this. So, yeah, good point. All right, and then Chris Jericho, uh, Santana, and Ortiz defeated the Elite. Of course, Moxley was gone 
I'm sorry, Omega was gone uh, after the Moxley interference. Uh, Jericho finishes off Matt Jackson? I think it was Nick. Okay, Nick Jackson with the Judas effect. Yeah. I was worried that they would censor the Judas effect on TNT. <laughs> oh, no, it's TV-14. That's true. Uh, uh, Dynamite is TV-14. You could say prick, and you can hit the most devastating move in wrestling, the Judas effect. I was also worried that, you know, like WWE, they would have to make it like black and white when they did replays <laughs> of the Judas effect. But no, there was. Yeah, you can also get, uh, you know, sugar glass breaking, which is another thing you would not see on WWE. That looked great. And JR said, holy shit, during this next segment, uh, which was Jericho, Santana Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara attacking the Bucks post-match. Uh, Cody and Dustin both kind of come out uh, to save. And then we get Jake Hager debuting to help out uh, the heel group. And it looks like they're going to be a faction. I saw some people pissing on the idea of having a heel faction, but like units are good. So I, I categor categorically reject that. Units are good. Uh, interesting point here. Uh, you know, Gold Dust came out to make the save. Uh, MJF did not come out to make the save, but I think they did a video on the Twitter uh, with him justifying that or explaining it. Uh, no sign of Hangman, though. And we've seen Fracture with Hangman and, and the Bucks. Um, so we're going to have to see how that pays out next week. I was going to say, what I'm really dreading is the Jake Hager uh, Goldust match that appears to be coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't, they can't do that. You can't Please do don't. that match. You can't. Uh, the the MJF Twitter promo is, or I think it was during the press conference, is actually really worth going out of your way to see because he like talks about like this is my cool down routine and he goes like step by step and he goes like what would you think that kobe bryant does like a professional athlete does i'm a professional athlete it was just like a minute and 10 seconds of him just ad-libbing this and it was just hilarious so that there's good reason why mjf wasn't there uh, nate talked about, about why jake hager's bad a little bit earlier but i think just to put a finer point on it like he's also an irredeemable chud so He's just bad, but, uh, you know, but I'm not going to doubt like two of the biggest stars in this promotion, maybe the two biggest stars in this promotion. Well, no, not Chris Jericho are Cody and John Moxley, both of whom were like dead in WWE and are now having some of the better matches and are certainly the biggest stars in the promotion. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pour uh, dirt on Jake Hager's grave just yet until we've seen him work a few matches. Yeah, my concern really, besides him being an irredeemable chud, uh, I mean, I, I guess some people get redeemed, but um, is that he's been just god-awful since he left the WWE. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like he went out of the indies and was like, I got to fucking prove something. I'm Cody Rhodes. I'm going to wear a suit and go, you know, work every fucking indie that I can find in front of 300 people. He didn't do that. You know, he took some paydays and went to Lucha Underground and mailed it in. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty much fine dismissing him out of hand but cody did a lot of bad matches i mean before he kind of figured it out i think like the rusev jack swagger series i, I was still watching wwe then and it was good and so i think there's something in him uh, but i don't know if it's still yeah there. that was also x many years ago i don't know yeah absolutely all right they closed out with three dark matches uh the lucha brothers and jack evans and a helico defeated private party and the best friends with orange cassidy uh, looks like Chucky took the pin after a double stomp and package pile driver. Uh, Britt Baker and Allie defeated Penelope Ford and B Priestley uh, when Britt Baker submitted Penelope Ford. And SCU defeated Jurassic Express when Kazarian pinned Marco Stunt. Fascinating to me. Like B Priestley tweeted after. I mean, it was just emojis, but I think that she was going back to Japan. So like weird that she worked. Well, no. 
I can't remember if she, yeah, she worked the last show in Japan of the, uh, uh, the Corican show well, on Saturday. She they worked came, the Nagano show too. That's show. right. Yeah. The 929 show. Yeah. So she worked 929. Then she came to this show, apparently just to do a dark match and then flew back to Japan. I wow. mean, Shima flew out from Japan to do a dark match and then flew to Mexico. So, I mean, they, they're flying these people in it. I'm kind of surprised that for these two people, if you're going to fly them in, I, I mean, I know Shima was like showing off his employee ID or like whatever, like his backstage pass was, but you can mail that or just be like, we'll take care of you when we first bring you in here. But having both those people in in matches that, you know, I would have been interested to see, like we haven't seen a lot of Penelope Ford in the ring here yet. So I've been interested to see that. And of course, seeing Brie Priestley, but again, Shima versus Darby. Who does not want to see Shima versus Darby? So got to see it. Kind of confusing. I want to see it on a pay-per-view though. That's really the, mm -hmm. they haven't. Yeah. Done I mean, sorry. Maybe it's just, you know, they still have administrative stuff. Maybe they're shooting promos and making content for future programs. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're certainly going out. Like this is going to be, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a good indicator that B and Shima are going to be core talents because they're, you know, making this effort for them. Also cool to like fly in a lot of your roster for the first show, just like, just kind of a good, a goodwill gesture. You're like, okay, we're, you're not on this show, but we're bringing you in uh, so we can all start celebrating this together. So that's nice. All right, let's get to the, the fucking meat, the fucking cake. The excitement. AEW demolished NXT in the ratings. Call the fucking fight. AEW, 1.409 million viewers, 878,000 in the 18 to 49 demo. NXT, 891,000 and 414,000 in the demo, down 11% from last week. I just can't help but absolutely love this. I just want to eat it uh, for three meals a day. It's just gorgeous. There's just no way when you like get really granular into like the demographics and what matters in cable television to not come away with this and thinking NXT, they basically fired all the bullets they had. Like with, with the exception of like, oh, who's that coming into full sale? That's Roman Reigns and that's Hulk Hogan. And that's the rock that there's only so many things left that they could foreseeably do. That was a full on takeover. And I think everyone I've talked to has been in agreement with me. That felt like what you would see, not necessarily out of week one out of AEW for dynamite. That seemed like what like a week in week out show would be like, and it's just insane. Like 878,000, 18 to 49. That was the number two show on all cable to the MLB wildcard game. So that's what like what you say about this because yes, you get like your cable news shows that do better, but those do higher among the olds and advertisers don't care about that. And the cable companies don't care about that. They care about 18 to 49. And I mean, almost doubled them up in that. It's just, it was just brutal. Like there's just like no way to look at it. And if, I know that there was like minute by minute breakdowns and it was very convincingly like they gained viewers during the uh, Nyla and Riho match. They gained teen girls during that. Like, that's a crazy thing. And that's something that's an audience that WWE has never done well with. And having them do that there was pretty outstanding. I think my biggest takeaway from the ratings is I wasn't sure about this, but now I feel really confident that there are just two different sets of people who are watching these products. I just don't think the same people are interested in these two shows. 
and it looks like there are a million, uh, not quite a million and a half, but 1.4 million people who largely weren't watching NXT, aren't watching WWE, and they showed up to watch uh, this show. So I think that's a, a great sign for AEW. And I'm not sure this says anything for NXT other than like they're not as popular as this show is. Uh, but I'm not sure it says anything about their audience. Real takeaway is just like how unbelievably uncool the WWE is. Like a million and a half people were basically going to tune in to wrestling. They're, they're potential wrestling fans that have been actively driven off by the WWE. And that's probably just in the last, you know, what, I don't know, six to eight years on, you know, but you go further back and you look at people that were turned off at different eras of the WWE. There's many more. So, and then you look at the, the demographic breakdown for the NXT audience and it's just, it's old WWE. It's just particularly hardcore WWE fans, barely younger. Um, all the young fans jumped over to AEW. It just, uh, they have all the cachet as far as being like a not embarrassing wrestling product uh, to this point. Um, so that's just like, uh, it's a win for them in every regard. Um, and yeah, very little crossover. Uh, you know, all that Dave math about the different WWE buyers versus <laughs> the AEW buyers uh, was like, you know, he was onto something there because there wasn't very much crossover between these audiences. Uh, and, you know, AEW ended and then USA kept having an overrun with theoretically their, I mean, it wasn't their main event because I don't know how to fucking do a show, but people didn't jump over to USA to watch the end. I mean, some did, but very few. Um, but yeah, and, and again, all this is like exactly what the advertisers want. And it was also, it's a younger audience. Uh, we know it's a uh, more diverse audience and we know it's a, uh, uh, what's the, what, they have more money than the WWE audience. Affluent. Whatever the, affluent, thank you. It's a more affluent audience. All of that is exactly what the advertisers want. Therefore, it's exactly what Turner wants. Uh, yeah, Turner's fucking thrilled, obviously. There's just a lot to take away with this to feel confident about this promotion going forward. There will be people that say, okay, week one, you're going to get a big premiere and you will see how you were doing next month. We'll see how you're doing after your big pay-per-view. But this is basically tells you how poorly WWE markets their product. At the end of the day, we, we see now that they've had basically the same decline from week one to week two, which were unopposed, which they were in theory pushing very hard there and there were a lead into what was considered at the time a very popular show on USA and neither of the shows that they had leading up to it topped this AEW number and they still have like a natural regression going on here so if AEW still has a natural regression of like this down 11% that seems to be happening to NXT okay they're still at 1.26 million people and for how their finances work that's going to be just fine. And Turner is happy. Turner pushes them. Like people are seeing ads for this all over the place. And there's just no way you can walk away without this, that, that this was just like a massacre of epic proportions. Like that it's just, it's terrible for NXT. And it's just, what are they going to do now? Because I can't see Vince McMahon being very happy about this going into, and this being the news story yesterday, going to their big Fox premiere. Now, AEW is going to beat this 1.4 number next week. Oh, I think a, this finally is... a bold take. Okay, had, there we go. I was apparently the bold guy with my, I think I literally said 1.4 million. So I nailed it. I had some doubters, maybe some people on this podcast that were trying hey. to back me off that number. 
Um, but now Bentley coming with the big, bold prediction that they're going to go up next week. They are. They're going to do better than this number. Uh, we we haven't seen anywhere near the peak of this show, I don't Ooh, think, wow. uh, viewership. Uh, I think I'm just not only do they have their own audience, but they are going to tear people away, more people away from NXT and WWE as they realize that it exists and that it's actually cool. I mean, it's like this isn't a perfect uh, analogy because Elizabeth Warren kind of sucks, (laughs) but it's like Joe Biden, like the NXT WWE is Joe Biden, right? And really, it's only the affluent thing that makes me think like AEW is more like Elizabeth Warren, you know, because Bernie supporters are working class people. Right. But it's like, as you realize that like Joe Biden actually sucks shit, you have to like find uh, the better alternative, right? And so I think that's what's going to happen here. So not only do they have their own base that's big, and this hasn't even been, I mean, it's been promoted a little bit, you know, I mean, they pushed it hard on, on Turner Properties, but that's just going to ramp up. Uh, people are going to find out it's coming to their town and the WWE fans are going to be like, shit, this stuff sucks. And AEW is cool. So I just think it's going to get bigger and bigger. I'm uh, I'm not going to make that bold prediction. You know, we really got to look at it X many weeks down the line when we have some of these shows that do not have, uh, you know, super fast sellouts happening anymore. Like that's going to be a, a really good indicator. You know, what does the show look like when you, don't have 14,000 uh, people or, you know, 14,000 tickets sold and 12,000 people or whatever it was. Um, it's going to, you know, that's going to be a, a good uh, watershed point to look at. But, you know, uh, couldn't really have asked for a better start. Uh, one other thing, uh, and Bix pointed this out, they actually beat SmackDown in the demo, the important advertising demo. So, like, for all the, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, I listened to the Masked Man show for some ungodly reason last night. And he was talking about how, oh, you know, AW had a good show uh, and they did really well against NXT, but they're just not anywhere near SmackDown uh, or Raw when we're talking about talent or production or expectations. And it's like, well, they did better than SmackDown and the advertising demo that everyone cares about. So, you know, they're I think they're closer than uh, uh, a lot of people might give them credit for. Oh, yeah. And that, from a production standpoint, I mean, that's wild. Like this show now. This is built by years of Raw looking exactly the fucking same and being so boring. But this looked way better than any Raw or SmackDown I've seen in, I don't know, a decade. You know, just like the look, the vibe. The commentary made it 500 times better than yes. Raw. I mean, the fact that we are only now just talking about the commentary, Tony Schiavone is a fucking legend. He's closer. He's closer. He got closer. <laughs> But yeah. uh, the commentary was great. Just the overall <laughs> production packages and the way that they portray it. Uh, I think it was Brett who said this on Street Fight. It looked like a very exciting place. It looked like a laser tag roller rink. Just like bright, vibrant colors. And it does not feel as just static as WWE. And especially after WWE has put out these terrible new stages they have. And AEW found out a really nice stage that has character with it. And they have elements that matter for it. So it just looks and feels different. And anyone who says that the production values are worse than WWE is a fucking idiot. Yeah, I agree. Mike, you want to talk about uh, some of these advertisements that were on the show? I know that you were particularly interested in that. And it was surprising. Yeah, it was. Like, we've already talked about the picture-in-picture aspect of that. But the big thing for this, when you're going to look at this promotion as a business, because sadly... 
these are businesses and it's a capitalist society where you have to make money to to justify what you're doing here. They have to bring in money. And the way their TV deal is with Warner Media is that their ad split kicks in at a certain time period or a certain viewership number. And the number that I've seen and it keeps on getting stuck in my head and might be not exactly this is 400,000 viewers and their demographic. So they, as we said earlier, completely shattered that. They doubled that with 878,000. So they're, they're going to be getting, talking about in the demo, in the 18 to 49. Yes, demo. 18 to 49 demo, which is, as I've said countless times in the show, this is the one that matters. They don't care about 50 plus because 50 plus will either buy everything or the only thing they'll buy is a life insurance or my pillows. Like they just don't matter. And then for the set, for the kids and teenagers, to be honest, they're not making the most monetary decisions. So you're marketing 18 to 49. And luckily a close friend of the show, Thoros, did me a huge solid and their market they made they took a list of all these sponsors that they had and just going down the list there's a lot of big names here and if there's ones that kind of surprise you Aaron just jump on in here but the big thing is that for their first big advertising break they had FanDuel which is big in their area they have programming notes there then they have bubbly sparkling water which is the first time I've ever seen a bubbly advertisement and that's a company owned by Pepsi and then Cracker Barrel, established relationship there with them. Samsung Galaxy, that's a big brand to do there. And then Taco Bell. like So like they're getting big sponsors here, and they're not getting what you'd expect normally for a wrestling program. And later there was video game sponsorships. That Sprint was their big their big uh, phone one. And then long lines of Boost Mobile, Nabisco, because you, you had Ritz Crackers. And then there was a lot of like cross-promotional stuff on TNT. The Misery Index, which is on TBS. Uh, NBA on TNT, American Dad, and just general, when I like take a look at this list, it's pretty impressive like how they got this package together and shows you the faith that Warner Media has in them. So what, what thoughts do you all have looking at this list of advertisers? Well, I don't watch Raw now, so you know I can't really comment on that, but I think of their big advertisers being like lugs, you know, back in the day, like that was a big one. Um, I think you've joked on this show before that it's like, gas station snacks is like the yeah big... the fucking taquitos or whatever they are that's the only right yeah i can that comes to mind and and none of this felt that way like i i don't really pay attention to this kind of thing so it, it didn't stick out to me but as soon as i saw people in dms talking about it i was like oh shit they really do have like nice ads on this show uh tnt was really pushing that uh, misery index show i mean to me that felt like a um a vote of confidence in AEW that they're like, this is the show we want to push and we're going to load it up on this, on this AEW product and see if that drives viewers. And obviously they're trying to drive viewers in the demo to that right. show. And so they're thinking we're going to do well in the demo on this show. Hopefully we can get them to watch uh, the misery index. So yeah, it's like good signs to me. Yeah. And, and one thing that I don't think we mentioned earlier was this was TNT's biggest uh, primetime premiere in over five years. So this was a big moment for the network because they were able to push the misery index and then their sports coverage there. So Nate, did you have any thoughts about the ads in particular other than? Uh, I just want to shout out really the Samsung one. Um, you know, that, you don't see Apple or Samsung ads on WWE, I don't think. And of course, Samsung's other big relationship is with friends of the show, Blackpink. And now we're talking like high fashion. Now we're talking oh, Louis Vuitton, talking, uh, you know, uh, Coco Chanel, we're talking Rodart. Uh, I can't think of any other outfits in particular, but 
So, you know, we're, we're talking with, uh, we're talking about like high profile brands there kind of. Um, and you also, just cause I heard you guys mention video games. Uh, I just also wanted to shout out that Cody basically confirmed mm -hmm. they're doing, uh, a old THQ slash Aki slash Sin Sophia, uh, sort of revival game is, is pretty much what they've confirmed they're doing. Uh, it's probably very early in development. So going to be a ways off for that, but you compare that to one of WWE's big advertisers, which is their own terrible video game. Uh, and that's an upgrade. All right, that's ads. Let's talk a little bit. There was an angle today just before we started, and this is Thursday, or no, it's Friday. I'm used to saying it's Thursday. This happened on Friday at New York Comic Con. So they had a panel with Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Nyla Rose, Awesome Kong, uh, and Jungle Boy. And as part of that, they had MJF set up uh, like he was going to ask a question. And I think he was in disguise in the video that I saw. And all that really was a setup for Cody to come out and the crowd goes nuts, and then Cody ultimately goes up and uh, attacks Chris Jericho, and uh, the place went wild for it. Yeah, so I fucking love this stuff. This is what pro wrestling should be, is shooting angles like this in you know unexpected sort of contexts and getting people excited. Uh, first, I, I also want to shout out the people that they had on this panel are like their uh, front-facing talents for like getting good press coverage. Uh, Jericho and Moxley are obvious choices. Uh, they also had Brandy in the panel, um, which I forgot to put down there. Uh, and then Nyla's, you know, like a focus piece of their women's division. Awesome Kong, you've got the Glow tie-in, which they can leverage more because she's like a television star or Netflix star. And then, of course, Jungle Boy, everybody always asks about it. Luke Perry every time. Uh, so that uh, makes all the sense in the world. Uh, but yeah, this MJF stuff, like this is also a recurring bit that he's done at Starcast where he goes and appears in the crowd and, uh, you know, is like silly, kitschy pro wrestling stuff, but he commits all the way. So it makes it fun. Um, but this is reminiscent of like, you know, the one chance the WWE ever had it being like a fun, vibrant pro wrestling product, just when CM Punk won the belt and, you know, uh, supposedly quit the company and walked off. And then like his first appearance was like, he returned to the Comic-Con and confronted Triple H. And it's like, holy shit, like these are the people you should be marketing to. They're the people in fandoms. They're the people who like comics. Um, and they're, and this is like a new uh, uh, sort of arena to, for them to get involved in. Like, hey, this is like, you know, uh, uh, action heroes or pro wrestling stars. Um, you know, doing their live action role play in front of me and we're involved in it and we're engaged in it. And that's what pro wrestling should be doing. So, uh, you know, this is a smart thing for them to do. They had press coverage for it. Uh, it continues all the positive press coverage they've been getting after these this rating win in the trades and deadline and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, just uh, another, another great move out of them, to be honest. Uh, and, and again, it's like, you can imagine a different world where none of this goes the way that it has to this point where Jericho doesn't become a meme and all this stuff. And it's like, things just keep falling in their favor this way. Oh yeah. Before I forget, they had the bubbly commercial while Jericho was doing the attack on Cody Rhodes, which that's probably not anything that they were aware of, at least in the ring, but it just was a nice touch to say. Uh, the, the other thing about the Comic-Con was that there was interviews, I feel like with sci-fi, the sci-fi wire, where they were like all sitting down and they kept on talking about how good uh, Jungle Boy's hair smells. So that was kind of a nice thing that Jericho now wants to get the musk of Jack out there. So, yeah, this is a cool thing. I think this is a smart way to set things going forward between them. I was just going to say it helps that like all the guys who run this promotion are nerds. And so they get like fandoms and uh, that kind of thing. I mean, literally all of them. So I think they understand how to tap into that. 
and they understand that those types of people are um, are ripe to to be pro wrestling fans. Okay, let's preview a little uh, episode two. That'll be uh, next Tuesday, next Tuesday, next Wednesday, October nine in Boston. The show's called Wednesday Night Dynamite. Uh, Boston. The matches that we know, the Young Bucks take on the private party in round one of the tag team tournament. And you guys, if you have a comment or thought on these matches, uh, feel free to to drop it here. Hog represent. Hog. Uh, this should be cool. I feel like one thing I really liked about getting Omega out of there and letting the Bucks lose three on two is that it makes them seem vulnerable or like vaguely vulnerable coming into this match. Um, it does give them a little bit of something to like have to get back on. So that's yeah. nice. Cause well, I don't, yeah, we are, we all already said, well, not Mike, but I think Nate and I both said, we think the bucks are winning this tournament. So presumably private party is going to lose here. So it gives the bucks something to overcome. I think I said private party was going to win the whole damn thing. So this is like the big, <laughs> this is like the big match of signing. If I'm a big old dummy here or not wow, it really is yeah the, the thing i'm going to be interested in other than of course how wrong i am is the fact that the bucks were <laughs> subject to this big beat down at the end of the show in dc how are they going to deal with week to week stuff like are they going to be like favoring body body parts after this if, is this going to be a thing going like okay i got the judas effect so if i get hit in the face or anything like that I go down like a sack of bricks like that. That's a very nerdy thing. I will fully admit, but I'm interested in seeing how they follow up on that. Yeah, no, not that's pro wrestling is what that is. And that's going to be important. And I, my expectation is they'll be good about it because they've even been good about it on BTE. Like they have some segments that are in there and not particularly entertaining, but have just been basically so the bucks can establish that. Oh yeah. We were beat up after that triple a match. Oh yeah. You know, I'm selling this injury and I'm selling my loss now on my goofy web vlog. Um, so, so yeah, I hope they carry that forward and, and point that stuff out. We'll also have Sean Spears taking on John Moxley, both of them debuting on television. We didn't see the, either wrestle. We didn't see Sean Spears at all on episode one. Yeah, and, Moxley's just going to win that, but I imagine, uh, you know, we'll probably get a further build to Cody and Moxley coming out of that. Omega and Moxley. Omega and Moxley. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. so you're right. <laughs> Cody and Jericho. I was thinking about Cody's feud with Spears. Um, but yeah, I, I, interested to see, does, does Spears continue to get some focus? Is uh, is Tully Blanchard out there? Do they develop that partnership some or what? Got to do a finish here, though. Don't want to see Kenny come out and, and end this match early with a DQ or something. Yeah. And apparently just announced. I didn't know until I read it on the run sheet. Hangman Adam Page and Dustin Rhodes will take on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Um, so that kind of sh shoots down my thought that it was going to be uh, Dustin versus Jake Hager. So I'm guessing this is the main because you've got Jericho. And I'm guessing he's just going to be our main event talent at this point. Uh, but maybe they have another match to announce. I don't know. Um, but uh, this is a fun and interesting match for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, just again, seeing Jericho play off new people, like seeing him out there with his, uh, you know, uh, annoying little young charge and his shit eating grin on his face is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then the other sort of point of intrigue here is, like I discussed earlier, Hangman did not come out to save Cody. Um, but here we have like a, a member of the elite uh, with, uh, you know, a, a member of the Brotherhood or the Nightmare family or whatever it is. So we sort of see that babyface alliance 
And are we going to see tension there? Are they going to keep it pretty straightforward or what? I think it's also possible that we will find out uh, both Jericho's and Riho's first challengers for their titles because uh, they're both set to defend those titles on October 16 in Philly. So that's week three. So uh, look forward to finding out who they might face. A little concerning that AEW posted on Twitter uh, asking whether Nyla should get a rematch. I hope to God they don't, that they abandon the rematch clause thing that every other promotion uses. And uh, instead, Nyla has to, you know, build back up before she can get a title shot. Yeah, Nyla even shouted that out in that little uh, panel they did with Entertainment Weekly, just talking about, you know, hey, I lost. I'm uh, not happy about it, but now I sort of have to start at the bottom or whatever it is. Uh, you know, of course, she's not starting at the bottom. She's going to be a featured player here. We know that because she's been on all the shows to this point or most of the shows to this point. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, uh, uh, they've got all these fresh people. We don't want to, we're going to have to do rematches eventually and probably a lot of rematches eventually, but we don't need to be doing that this early. Yeah, I co-sign with you on that. Uh, one thing that I didn't get to add in about that tag match. Uh, so what do you think Jericho and Guevara talk about? Like... <laughs> Like that overall group of, of guys. So you got Santana, Ortiz, Hager, Guevara, and Jericho. I know like LAX and Guevara have history in like AAA, so they could talk about that. But I don't know. Jericho and Guevara, do you think they like to talk about like memes and videos and drones? Because I could see that. Like I could see Sammy making Jericho into a big drone guy. Is there a big like uh, Latino or Texan metal band that Jericho would be particularly into? Well, I mean, the, the biggest... A- the biggest metal band out of Texas was Pantera. Pantera? Do we think Sammy's a Pantera fan? Not at all. Does not seem like it. What kind of music does Sammy listen to? Has that ever come up in the vlog? I mean, he's got, you know, uh, like lo-fi beats to uh, parkour and drone with is sort of the backing music for his vlog. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Jericho has any Funko Pops? We know Sammy's got a lot of Funko Pops. Yeah. There probably is a Jericho Funko Pop, right? Undoubtedly. Probably is a Jericho Funko Pop. I wonder if Sammy's going to get him to sign it. Bang Energy. What about Bang Energy? That'd be good. What about uh, what about Danny Trejo? Has Jericho done a movie or done stuff with Danny Trejo? Uh, I feel like Jericho might have been in Machete. Uh, he was in MacGruber. He could have been in Machete. You know what I'm talking about? Like Latinx bands? I don't know. I'm just like trying to. Yeah. Like yeah. Danny Trejo reads is kind of metal to me. So, I don't know. Danny Trejo is a renaissance man. He had a kind of like horror adjacent. That's kind of, honestly, feels more like a Jericho interest than a Sammy one, though. Does Sammy even know who he is? That's actually a very good point. (laughs) Okay. I I don't know what they talk about. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, They probably talk about uh, attractive women that they see uh, out and about. Yeah. I guess that's the fallback. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I like. I hope we find out though. Is the real? I hope uh, yeah. Jericho turns up on the Sammy vlog. I hope they're riding up and down the roads together because that would just be funny. Oh God! One of our followers, and I forget who it was, but somebody in our mentions suggested uh, Jimmy Havoc might be a good first challenger for Jericho, and I don't think that's a bad idea. He won the Cracker Barrel Challenge, the Triple Threat match. He's got that in his back pocket. And uh, he's kind of a good like TV challenger for the title. Uh, I think they even said that this podcast would not be excited about the match, but uh, I don't know. That's at least a reasonable idea. I mean, we know it has to be somebody that he's going to beat. So he qualifies in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Sure. (laughs) I'm not enthused about this match, but sure. 
Wait, 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 wait. Are they building to a Jericho Dustin match with this tag? That could be interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dustin pins Sammy and then says, I beat your team because you're not going to have him pin Jericho this early on in the run. They're going to have Jericho keep on winning. So he pins Sammy and challenges him the next week in Philly. But dude, does uh, Dustin want to take the belt away from his brother potentially? Good point. Mm. But you have the intrigue of like, well, we've already seen Cody Dustin. I hey, guess, uh, so we don't really Redman care. is in this um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Do we think Sammy Guevara likes Redman? <laughs> I don't. I don't think Sammy Guevara has any idea. Oh, who I think Red he's Man seen is. How High. Hmm. Redman was just on the That's VMAs. Mm-hmm. He knows who Method Man is for sure, but Redman is a little lower profile than Meth. All right, a few... Sorry, I'm just looking at <laughs> Sure. A few other notes before we get out of here. I thought maybe ticket sales would really uh, leap up after the first show. It doesn't appear that way. I kind of just glanced through some of the ticket maps, and I don't see that it isn't noticeable that a lot of tickets have moved since the show. Yeah, I did a little look towards everything and then also look towards the new show that went on sale today. You know, it's some places are doing better, some places you can't tell. I mean... Charlotte seems to still be the slowest moving one. Nashville seems to be doing a little better, but it seems like the upper bowls will be the thing in these big arenas going forward. All right. Yeah, as you said, there's going to be on December 4th, the 10th show going to be in Champaign, Illinois, the University of Illinois. Uh, The tickets are a little bit cheaper, and they're going to do a student section. So that's cool. Yeah, huge student section. I like that idea. That could bring some real like different energy to uh, the live show. And uh, you have an opportunity to convert some folks into wrestling fans. Yeah. And on top of that, I know that, Nate, you did like student activities association stuff. They probably got a check from the students activities association to come here in some fashion. So, hey, that's. Yeah. And, the, and those those checks, they don't play hardball in the negotiating. So they probably paid whatever AEW's asking price was. Yeah. What kind of uh, what kind of bands or acts came to your your colleges when you were uh, in college real big fish gavin degraw yeah (laughs) gavin degraw real big fish and gavin degraw i lost most of my some of my hearing in one of my ears at a real big fish show it was a good time we had uh i think we did a little better we had the roots um umphreys mcgee uh nerd i was on stage with nerd that was memorable um were some you other big ones were you there for the infamous lauren hill show i was not there for the infamous lauren hill show although i might have shown up no i might have written something about it okay don't recall i should also remember these better because like mike said i was on the concert committee and involved <laughs> in planning these uh ozo motley that was one of mine um feral Monch. Uh, a bunch of oh, jam. Wow. My my uh, my friend who was also doing them did a lot of jam shit and brass band New Orleans shit. Yeah, we had uh, OAR as well, which is pretty stereotypical, like mid two thousands jam band coming to a college oh. thing. But, Afro yeah. Man. Oh wow, it was a quintessential college act. Yeah, you were really like with the zeitgeist. Well, that was like a sort of nostalgia, ironic kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like because I got high was like earlier toward the end of when I was in high school, I guess. Yeah. Harder, but you're younger than me, maybe? I can't remember. It's pretty close. 
the big ones I remember were we had Black Eyed Peas, and this was like right before they really blew up. So it's after Where's the Love, but before yeah. like Let's Get It Started and like when it really went crazy. Uh, I met Fergie after the show, and she told me she really liked uh, my plugs. So that's my right. uh, claim to fame. And then Fat Joe we had, and it that's was a big one. It was a big scandal because he they paid him to do I think an hour, and he did like maybe thirty minutes. Yeah, uh, because oh, what we learned uh, at the show was that he doesn't have like any songs. He just has like features he did on other people's songs, or at least you know back in oh three or whatever you know. So anyway, we did a we had, we had Talib Kweli for Homecoming one year. Oh wow! Well. And it uh, basically we couldn't get him out of the fucking dressing room. <laughs> really? Yeah. And there was a hard curfew. So basically the same issue happened where he just wanted to go and, you know, start late like a rock star or whatever. Um, but consequently, you know, he was up there for 50 minutes and then the police came and turned off all the sound equipment. So he threw a fit and poured a bunch of water all over the sound equipment. So <laughs> I think I, I think they that eventually the uh, university had to threaten legal action and get him to compensate him for a bunch of it um yeah i forgot about that one somehow oh yeah that was the thing about coral gables like you could only go to i think what's what 10 30 at the university of miami to yeah, stuff yeah out it might have it might have gotten a special exception to like 11 for homecoming right. but yeah, yeah. Was, uh so we're like you know in his dressing room like hey uh you need to start soon and he just wasn't having it yeah and, and that was the same deal with lauren hill when she came as well or like she showed up like at 11 <laughs> yeah Sounds about right. It's like I did see, I saw the Wu-Tang Clan at uh, the Jackie Gleason Theater in Miami, and they went on at like 2 a.m., <laughs> which They're is kind of what you want. That's, that's the experience you want, really. Yeah. They're playing here in like two weeks. Might have to go. All right, I think that's it. You all have anything else on episode one of AEW Dynamite? It only took no, us think, 40 uh... podcasts to get to episode one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. so, so we tried our new format with this. Let us know. Like, we're kind of feeling this out here. This is the only time that I'll say at us instead of adding Aaron Taub for complaints. Just like let us know, just see how things are going. I think we want to kind of take more of a macro view versus going match by match, throwing star ratings on it, just as to be quite honest, like going that like we would have so much burnout by the end of the month by doing that. So just let us know how you think about our format. And again, we'll be back on Thursday nights or Friday mornings next week. Yeah, I like this format. So I, I'll be interested to see what the listeners thought, but I thought it felt good. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just search everything elite on the podcast app of your choice. Make sure you're rating and reviewing the show on the podcast app. Give us a five-star rating, please. Uh, you can sponsor the show, redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite. I believe we usually put the link to that in the show notes. You can click sponsor this podcaster and just leave us a little, uh, a few bills just for, uh, you know, being nice, just for loving us. That's all. Uh, make sure you check out Nate and Mike on Street Fight Radio if you haven't already. If you're here, from having listened to us uh, uh, on Street Fight Radio, welcome. Hope you'll stick with us. And if you listen to that show, but you're not a Street Fight regular, listen to Street Fight. It's a great show. They drop like two shows a week for free. So uh, check those out. It's an excellent show. And I guess that's it. So for Mike, 
For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers four to six percent returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today.